If you take your Bibles and turn with me to Revelation chapter number 10, and we'll be in reading verse number 1, I'll share some things with you in this passage of Scripture. Tonight's message is titled this, The Mystery of God Will Be Finished. The Mystery of God Will Be Finished. And as we turn here, we find ourselves at the first part of the middle of the tribulation period. And so uh, the order of events, the church, uh, I believe we can prove this through the scripture, that the church has been raptured at the, at the invisible coming of the Lord in the clouds and that and the beginning of the tribulation has started. We've had three and a half years of tribulation. And if you've been here for the preaching we've done already through these first nine chapters of the book of Revelation, uh, the world is in great chaos and trouble and difficulty. And it's a, it's a rough time. And we're three and a half years into the seven-year tribulation. And here in the next few chapters, we're going to have a little bit of, of an interlude uh, between the first half and the second half of the Great Tribulation. And quite frankly, I believe that God is going to use Revelation chapter number 10 in the tribulation to encourage the folks who've put their trust in Christ during that time. Uh, I think the Lord tonight will use Revelation 10 to encourage us. But I want you to imagine this scenario with me for just a moment. Uh, you've got folks who've uh, heard the gospel and have been saved uh, during the tribulation period. And it is unbelievable and unimaginable what's going on all around. And even in their own lives, the, the struggle and trouble. And when we come to Revelation chapter number 10, God is going to send a message to the tribulation saints and let them know that the mystery of God, the things that you don't understand about the plan of God, are going to be finished. Uh, the things you don't understand about the plan of God are going to have a conclusion. They're going to have an end. They're going to prove to have a purpose. And uh, I think that there's no doubt that folks in the tribulation will be reading Revelation chapter number 10 and find great courage and hope in the midst of this text. And I'm also confident that we here today, the church, before the rapture has occurred, before the tribulation has ever begun, we'll find hope in this passage of Scripture. The mystery of God will be finished. How many of you would be brave enough to acknowledge there are things about God, God's plan, and God's will that seem mysterious to you? If that's you, would you raise your hand? I remember as a young preacher, one of the burdens I had was to set out and figure out everything thing about the Bible, about God and God's will and God's plan and all the mysterious things. And I wanted to be able to win all the arguments. And you know what I found out after many, 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 many years of preaching the Word and studying the Word? There's a whole lot of things I don't completely understand. There's a lot of things that are still unclear and a lot of things that happen in life that I don't really have a grand explanation for. But there are so many things in the Word of God that are right and true and certain that I'm going to anchor my soul in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know something that's going to give me hope as I deal with the mysteries of God, the mysteries of life, the plan of God, the purpose of God, things like why do bad things happen to good people? 
I know that as we deal with things that make no sense, why did this happen? Why did it go that way? I know that there's coming a time when the mystery of God will be finished. And until we understand it, we have to trust. And we can rest in the fact that God is sovereign. God is motivated by love with purpose. And we can trust Him. The mystery of God will be finished. Let's read this text together and then we'll take our message. The Bible says in Revelation 10 verse number 1, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud and a rainbow was upon his head. And his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as his pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open. And he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth and cried with a loud voice and when a lion, as when a lion roareth. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that therein are and the earth and the things that, that therein are and the sea and the things which are therein that there should be time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel when he shall begin to sound the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel, which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I'd eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Look what the Bible says in verse number 7. The mystery of God should be finished. It will be finished. The mystery of God will be Finished. So let's just take a moment here and introduce this. And the introduction will be an explanation of a few of these verses. When we come to verse number 3, we've seen that a, a mighty angel has come down. It's an interesting picture. If you can imagine in your mind's eye, a mighty angel has come down. And John's seeing this. He's clothed with a cloud he's, and a rainbows upon his head. His face is as it were the sun. His feet, pillars of fire. And he has in his hand a little book open. And he set his right foot upon the sea. His left foot on the earth. Can you imagine what that looks like? This mighty angel has his one foot on the sea, one foot on the earth, and he's clothed the way that we've described. The Bible says in verse 3 that he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. When he cries out, it's like when a lion roars. Have you ever heard a lion roar? It's pretty fascinating. It's amazing. He cries as when a lion roars. And the Bible says, when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And I really think the emphasis is on the, the, the sound. You can imagine the depth of the sound. The Bible says in verse 4, when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, they said something. The seven thunders said what the angel said. And 
The seven voices had something to say. And the Bible says, John, he says, I was about to write it. He got ready to write down what they said. No doubt what they said was fascinating and interesting and maybe even a hint, a clue into the purpose and plan, mystery of God. He was about to write it. He said, I went to write it. And I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. The word of God came to John and said, The things you've heard in these voices of these seven thunders, don't write that. Now, you know something? There are certain things that God in his perfect understanding of us, his creation, has withheld from our understanding. One, when we realize there are lots of things we don't know, it should keep us humble. If you meet somebody that acts like or thinks they know everything about God, God's plan, God's word, you have ran to somebody who is anchoring themselves in the pride of life and proudness of men. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't declare the truth of God because there are so many awesome truths that can be declared with great fervor. But there are certain things we don't know. There are certain things we can't possibly understand. But God does. And God tells John, you heard the voices of of the angel and the sound of the seven thunders, but don't you write that down. You seal it up. We're not sharing that yet. You know what? We have to get to the place in our lives where it's okay that God knows what's best for me and I don't. we got to get to the place where we understand that God has a plan for my life that is beyond my comprehension and He has perfectly in love orchestrated the events of my life and whatever it involves, that's okay. God has a plan. He has a purpose. He's operating in love. But I want you to know something. The mystery of God will be finished. There's a purpose and a plan and a reason. And God will prove himself faithful. God tells John, don't write it. Verse number 5, the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven. Now you see the, the angel You see how he was clothed with a cloud, a rainbow on his head, sun on his face, feet of fire, one foot on the sea, one foot on the earth, and his hand is in the air with a little book. The Bible says in verse number 6, And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the earth, things that he swore, swore by God. Here's what he swore. He swore at the end of the verse that there should be time no longer. There's coming a time where there'll be time no more. That's something fun to think about, isn't it? Eternity. Now, eternity is something that we must anchor our souls in. Because when we begin to think about how life is, how many of you have been disappointed with life? All of us have. How many of you have suffered loss? All of us have. Some of us greater than others and some of you far greater than me. Life. I want you to know something. One of the great equalizers and one of the great wonderful things about life and the plan of God is the eternal plan of God. 
There's coming a time when there'll be time no longer. That'll be sweet. The Bible says in verse 7, But in the day, days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the end when God brings everything to a conclusion. The Bible says in the day of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants, and the prophets. Do you know what God gave hints of his ser- to his servants and his prophets? That it's not going to be this bad forever. That God has a plan. That God is going to set things straight. That God is going to reveal himself. And God is going to prove himself faithful. The mystery of God will be finished. The mystery of God will be finished. Now look. You're dealing with things even today that you don't understand why did God choose this set of circumstances for me at this time. Minor, minor, so minor. But I'll just tell you right now, I would have never chosen that after this coming Tuesday that my left arm will be immobile for six weeks. But God did. In the next six weeks, i got big plans. But God's got better plans. And that's okay. And you wouldn't have chosen sickness. You don't choose cancer. You don't choose death. You don't choose things that hurt. You don't choose things that are inconvenient. But God does. And sometimes from the outside looking in, we look at the mystery of God and think, goodness, is he even kind? But I'm going to tell you the answer is, yes, he is. Could this possibly be God? He's in control of everything. I heard the story. There was a missionary who went to a foreign land and he went to a, a cannibalistic tribe. And over in time, he was able to, to get the people to a place where they were willing to hear from him and learn from him. And he began to teach them English and then began to teach them about God. And the next thing you know, People in this native tribe were beginning to understand things about God. And the missionary explained to the people that God is all-powerful. God is almighty. God is good and perfect, full of love. And then the missionary began to teach them about Satan. Satan is not as powerful as God. And Satan... It's a defeated foe, but Satan is working in our world. And the native began to think and asked the missionary one day, if God is almighty, why does he not just defeat Satan now? And if we're honest with ourselves, there's part of me that says, listen here, buddy, you may be a cannibal, but you've made a valid point. And it's a mystery to me why God chooses the way he chooses. It's a mystery to me why Satan has, had, has such a great influence. And there are some theological debates and answers that we can give to some of the questions that I've raised. I know that. But not everything in life makes sense, right? But God tells us something in the book of Revelation chapter number 10. And I can imagine someone who's just put their trust in Christ and the tribulation has been going on for three and a half years and things are tough and difficult and 
Someone picks up God's word in the tribulation and reads Revelation 10 and says, certainly. It's a mystery of what's going on and why. Why, God? The Bible says that the mystery of God will be finished. We're going to understand it. It's going to make sense. How many of you are like me and you, you take comfort in knowing that the mystery of God is going to make sense. Why am I having to go through this? Why is my child having to deal with this? That's even harder than why am I having to go through something. Why? The Bible teaches that the mystery of God will be finished. You know, in eternity and for eternity, we're going to understand God's perfect plan. And I'm thankful for that. Until then, what can I do? Here's some fascinating things from this passage of Scripture I hope will help you. The mystery of God will be finished. Until it's finished, while we're still wondering, Lord, I don't understand why. What can I do? Number one, you can remember the greatness of God. As you're dealing with the mystery of God's will, number one, you remember something. Remember the greatness of God. This chapter opens up with a Fresh glimpse at the power and might and glory of God. When you turn to Revelation 10 verses 1 and 2, a lot of folks believe that this is actually an angelic appearance of Jesus Christ himself. I'm not going to argue for it or against it. But I can tell you something, it very well could be Jesus that we're looking at. And if it is, I will not be surprised. If it's not, it's a mighty angel that represents to us the glory and majesty of God. And the application is the same. The Bible says in verse 1, I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven. I'll just tell you, the first thing that encouraged me about this, I'm remembering the greatness of God. The first thing that encouraged me in this verse is heaven. I love that word, heaven. And I understand that in this context it meant it came from the sky, came from heaven. But I want you to know, so heaven's a real place. It's as real as I'm standing here today. And God has prepared it for his saved people. And heaven is sweet to know. And it's a hope that we have and we should anchor our souls in. Heaven. An angel came, a mighty angel came down from heaven. The Bible says he was clothed with a cloud. Now, what's important about a cloud? Now, I'll tell you, the first thing I think about a cloud is it's kind of dreary. But if you have a tendency to be negative first, maybe you should look on the bright side of the cloud. I already know something. All through the scriptures, God uses clouds. One of the most famous clouds that God uses, God's led his children out of Egyptian bondage, and he gives him a pillar of cloud. What's that cloud do? The cloud protects him. What's that cloud do? The cloud directs him. And I want you to know something. When you look at God and you are in the middle of the mystery, I don't know why in the world I'm having to deal with this. I don't know why this is going on in my life. I don't understand the grief and the bitterness of the moment. I want you to understand something. God is like a cloud to you. He is a protector. He is a guider. And you should keep your faith in the Lord in the midst of the mystery. Remember the greatness of God. He's like a cloud. The Bible continues in verse number 1. The angel came down from heaven clothed with a cloud and a rainbow was upon his head. Now that rainbow is a famous thing. God gave us and sent us the rainbow. We think of Noah, the flood. And God sent the, the rainbow to promise that he'd never flood the earth again. It's a picture of God's great promise that he is going to offer hope and redemption. And he is a faithful God, a God of promise. A rainbow, something that I read that I thought was so awesome. Do you know that a rainbow is the natural occurrence of the sun shining through the clouds? 
And I don't know about you, you may be in the mystery, the cloudy mystery of the moment. But when you see the rainbow of God, you remember something. The sunlight of God, the brightness of God, the glory of God, the power of God and His promise and blessing is shining through the cloudy moment of your life. He makes rainbows. You see, when you're in the middle of the mystery, remember the greatness of God, the heaven, the cloud, the rainbow. It continues, verse number 1. A cloud or a rainbow was upon his head and his face was as it were the sun. The sun is a wonderful thing. We must have it. And God provides it. The sun is such a reminder. The warmth of the sun is a reminder of how good God is. Folks who are a lot smarter than me tell me and let us know and write that if the sun were just a little bit closer to us, we'd burn up. If the sun were a little farther away from us, we'd freeze to death. But God in his perfect understanding and love and majesty set the sun in its orbit, in its position, in its place so that we have seasons and growing seasons and winter and summer and spring and a perfect ecosystem where it survives. God did that. Do you think that if God can set the sun in orbit, He can work in the mysteries and the burdens and the troubles that you're dealing with. The answer is absolutely yes. God is good and faithful. And when you are dealing with the mystery, the ah moments in life, you remember something. You remember the greatness of God. The Bible says that his face was as it were the sun and his feet as pillars of fire. Have you ever thought about fire I love fire. How many of you are like me? I don't care if it's 100 degrees outside. If someone builds a fire, I'm going to stand near it. I can't help it. And I also like to start fires, legal ones, you know, out where on, you know, I like to start a fire. As a matter of fact, this evening, if everything goes my way, I'll limp with one arm over to my wood stove and I'm going to start my fire back. I didn't, I didn't have time to tend to it today. And you know what I really like? I've got a bench there that Mr. Arnie from Bowling Springs Baptist Church made me because he, he knew I liked to sit in front of my fire. And I'm going to sit right there on my bench in front of my wood stove and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to start that fire. And I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to sit there longer than I have to because I like it. I like to start a fire. I like the warmth. I like the smell. I like fire. And you know, God put that in us to like fire. You know why? Because God gave us fire, and God's gift of fire to man is one of the greatest things in the world. How many of you have used fire today? If you've used fire today, would you raise your hand? If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying. Because everybody here used fire. If you rode in a car here today, you used fire. You know what? God gave man the ability to capture fire and Propel motors. It's amazing. We're using fire right now. These light bulbs, they don't have a flame in them, but they are most likely the byproduct of electricity that was generated by fire. Fire heats water. Water boils and makes electricity. That's primarily the way it works. Fire. When God gave us fire, God gave us one of his greatest gifts. It's wonderful. And when you think about feet of fire, you just remember God gave us something like fire in order to make our lives the way they are. I'm thankful for it. You see, God is good. God is faithful. He's great and mighty. 
The Bible says in verse 2, he had in his hands a little book open. And he set his right foot upon the sea, his left foot on the earth. Why in the world is that angel with one foot on the sea and one foot on the earth? Because I want you to know something. God is in control of it all. Now look, in our little worlds, something awesome about my little world, it is very little. Compares to all that's going on, it's very little. It's pretty big to me. But it's very little. But God is concerned about my little world. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. As I'm dealing with the mysteries of God, burdens that I don't completely understand, grief and circumstances that sometimes don't make sense, you know what God wants me to do? He wants me to remember how great He is. When you remember the greatness of God, it'll make the mystery of God better. And I want you to know something. There's coming a time where the mystery of God will be finished and we'll understand it. Number two, we should remember the greatness of God. Number two, we should eat the book. Now, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Eat the book. Look what the Bible says, verse number eight. In verse number eight, the Bible says, And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. He said unto me, Take it and eat it up. It shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. So the picture goes like this. The, John gets the message. All right, John, I want you to go to the angel who has the book, who's just made the oath that the mystery of God will be finished. He says, I want you to go and I want you to get the book. So John does. He goes to the angel and says, give me the book. And the angel, the Bible says in verse number 9, And he said unto me, Take it. Eat it up. Take it. Eat it up. What's we, what are we supposed to do? Why are we supposed to make sense of this? The book. I'm confident that the book represents to us the word of God. Lord Jesus opens the book. He has the right to open the book. I'm confident the book is the word of God. Eat it up. How many of you have ever uh, been part of something and you just, had, you just ate it up, man? It was, I love this. I just eat it up. And I'm not talking about food. And the picture, the word picture here is to take the book and to consume it. Take the book and to, to eat it. Take the book and to let it nourish you. Take the book and make it part of you. What are we to do? We're to eat the book. Now, how am I going to have peace going through the Life and dealing with the mystery of God. How am I going to have peace? I'm going to have to eat the book. You know what you're going to find? As you deal with life, you're going to find out when you read, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. You're going to find out that that brings you great peace and joy and hope and comfort as you focus in through the word on our great God. Eat the book. Go, take it. Eat it up. Look what it says here. I'm running out of time, but look what it says here. The Bible says, take it, eat it up, verse number 9, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. It says it again in verse number 10. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey, and as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. He says it's bitter and sweet. Let me quote you a verse that you know very well. 
Romans 1, I'm sorry, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them that are called according to his purpose. Let's talk about that just a minute. Bitter. Bitter. And we know all things. How many of you have ever had an all thing that was quite bitter to deal with? I've stood recently and watched people I love die. I've talked on the phone and been in the presence of folks as they dealt with the worst of the worst news, even this week. And I know all things. Man, all things get rough at times. Some of you have dealt with some pretty tough stuff here lately, right? Some of you are in the middle of something that's very bitter. Some, God, why? God says, I want you to know something. All things. That's bitter. And we know that all things work together for good. Man, that's sweet. And that's sweet. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Oh, that's bitter. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's sweet. You see, the Bible and the will of God and the purse of God, God's word, God uses his word to help us reconcile the bitter and the sweet to ultimately trust in him. What are we to do? So I'm dealing with the mystery of God. I don't understand God. Remember the greatness of God. Eat the book. You know what you're going to need? As you deal with life, you're going to need more of God and God's Word. And as you spend time with God and God's Word, you're going to find out God and God's Word is going to help you. You're not going to hear one message and everything's better from that point forward. That's just not how it works. But as you eat the Word... As you consume the word, as you sit in the preaching of God's word, you're going to find hope and strength to live another day not understanding the mystery, but trusting in the God of the mystery and knowing that God has a purpose. The bitter and the sweet, they work together. The bitter and the sweet, they work together. The bitter and sweet, they work together. You need to eat the book. You're going to find great peace and great hope. And the bitter and sweet, God's great, mighty word. Eat the book. Finally, number three, preach the book. The chapter concludes, and the Bible says this, He said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. What you've learned, just tell it. What you've learned, tell it. Prophesy again, prophesy again, prophesy again. You know what God's called us to do? Eat the book and preach the book. Not just me, but all of us need to share the hope we find in God's Word. God's given you that. He's given you that to do. You know what you're going to find out? When you remember the greatness of God, when you eat the book, preach the book, as you're living in the mystery, I don't understand all this, you're going to find great peace in your heart with God. And know that God's got a plan and God has a perfect purpose. And God is faithful. You can trust him. In the middle of the storm. I thought of a couple songs as I was preparing this message. 
One was the little phrase in this song, we'll understand it better by and by. I'm thankful for that. The other song was this, but until then, my heart will go on singing. God's faithful. God's faithful. I look on our crowd and I know the burdens that many of you bear. and Lots of them I don't. The ones I do, I want you to know God is going to prove himself faithful. And we don't understand it right now, but just remember how great he is and eat the book. Preach the book. And trust God because he's going to make it clear to you. He's going to help you. He's going to help you with the greatest burden that you have right now. He's good and faithful. You trust him. You'll be glad you did. The mystery of God will be finished. But until then, my heart will go on singing and trusting and believing. Because we'll know and see and understand that God's perfect and faithful. You can trust him. Let's pray.